0: Welcome to Cast, a place where we discuss all things autism, mental health, and special needs. I'm your host, Dave Fettig. Today's podcast is sponsored by Forest Lake Auto Group. At Forest Lake Auto Group, we are proud to support Frasier because we care about creating brighter futures for families with special needs. Shop your locally owned Forest Lake Auto Group dealership where you'll drive a little and save a lot. Or visit them online at forestlakeautogroup.com. Today we welcome Lindsay Bruni. Lindsay is a licensed marriage and family therapist and is Fraser's Director of Care Coordination. Lindsay has been serving youth and families impacted by special health needs for almost 20 years. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Today we will discuss how to advocate for your child with special needs. Before we discuss particular laws that parents with special needs children should be aware of, let's talk about the rights that parents and children have. In other words, how could I, as a parent, feel empowered to advocate for my child?
1: For a lot of parents, um, advocating for their child can be something that's really daunting. It's a really big responsibility. Um, And so I think parents um, are the ones that are going to be at the table for their child really throughout the lifespan. And so there's a lot of professionals that are really good at a lot of different things. They're experts in a lot of different areas, but parents are really the only ones that are experts in their children. And so, kind of keeping that in mind, I think is helpful for families to kind of give them that permission to ask questions and feel like they have a right to to be at that table advocating for their child.
0: I can imagine it would be someone imposing as a parent to challenge authority, right? And Absolutely. Especially in terms of these with um, special te- kids with special needs. And uh, uh, I imagine it would be difficult in someone imposing for a parent to uh, address authority in this mm-hmm. regard. Um, what advice do you have for a parent?
1: Sure. Um, I mean, I think like with anything, knowledge is going to be power. And so for parents to have the best understanding that they can of their child's diagnosis and needs, as well as what laws pertain to that, um, is going to be helpful for families in terms of feeling, again, like they have that permission to ask questions um, and to propose solutions, even when they are faced with either a professional or a really big system um, that they're advocating against.
0: So you mentioned laws. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the laws that parents should be aware of or that give them power to Sure. Advocate for their child.
1: Sure. And I think, um, so parents are really, when they have a child with special needs, they're really expected to become almost pseudo-lawyers and pseudo-experts in a lot of different areas. So whether that be special education law or insurance, um, we're in tax season right now. And so there's a lot of tax law that parents who receive grants or waivers are trying to figure out. So um, I think just as important as knowing some of the specific laws are knowing where to find those resources and find those supports for families because it's going to change as the child grows and as their needs grow. Um... But ones that we encounter probably most frequently are around special education, because that's often where the child enters first and where they spend a good portion of their time. And so things like the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, and then um, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act are ones that are really good for parents to be aware of um, and what protections they offer their child.
0: That sounds daunting.
1: It is daunting. It is daunting. Yeah.
0: So uh, it is. In order to manage all these different uh, laws, if you will, and uh, uh, different challenges that come up from taxes and everything in between, um, are there groups, are there people that uh, parents can seek help from to manage this?
1: Yeah. And there's a couple different ways that parents could go about that. So there are more formal advocacy groups, especially here in the city. So the Pacer Center, um, the ARC Minnesota and then the Disability Law Center can really provide in-person advocacy around specific issues for parents.
0: Are there parent groups, parent uh, you know advisory groups where parents get together and help each other out either in person or online?
1: Yep, there are some more formal support groups. And I think what's nice is we're living in kind of an age where there's really something to meet all needs. And so um, more formal support groups are available. We offer them here at Fraser and then um, NAMI, as well as the Autism Society of Minnesota also keep updated lists of support groups in the community. There's also two really great organizations that offer parent-to-parent matching, so um, Family Voices and Circle of Parents can really pair families, so if a child has just been diagnosed with autism, um, they might match that family with a parent that's gone through some of these steps already with their own child. And that really, it, it doesn't have to take a lot of time, it might just be some phone calls between those two parents. And then, of course, social media is available as well for families if they just don't have the means to get to a group or, um, you know, daycare is an issue, things like that. And so there's groups on Facebook. Family Voices offers web-based support groups. So there's a lot of options out there.
0: So there are actual mentor sort of programs, if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: wonderful. You mentioned NAMI earlier, Lindsay. Can we um, define that acronym?
1: Sure, absolutely. It's the National Alliance for Mental Illness.
0: Great. And I'm sure that's a great resource for parents.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: So let's talk about a particular example, if we can, of a disagreement with a teacher or a provider that may come up Mm -hmm. um, and how a parent may have navigated this issue or could.
1: Sure. I think it's a lot easier for me to to say... um, what to do than it is to actually feel it and do it in the moment. But I think one thing that's really important for all parties, so parents, professionals, to keep in mind is to stay calm in those moments and really keep those lines of communication open. Um, That way the parents and the child are really gonna have access to the, the most resources that they can. Um, But this is another instance where a parent really wants to be educated in terms of what rights they have in that situation. Um, It's also where they want to be asking a lot of questions um, and being really persistent in terms of getting their child's needs met. And I think if there is a disagreement between a parent and a provider, um, again, remembering that they don't have to do that alone, um, whether that is a more formal advocate or a more informal support, that um, parents can go into that with um, some support themselves. Minnesota also offers a really great um, course on partners in making for parents, where parents that really wanna take their kind of advocacy skills to the next level can do courses either in person or online mm-hmm. and get some of that additional support.
0: And how, do, how would parents investigate this opportunity?
1: Um, they can go online to the state's website, the Council of uh, Disabilities, um, or just Google partners in policy making. Nice, um, and there's different options.
0: Excellent. So I'm going to push you a little bit, Lindsay, on this example we're talking about. Yeah, I know every child is special and every situation is unique. Yeah, uh, but are there are sorts of general sorts of. Um, incidences that occur that uh, maybe you could describe for us so parents can have a, a, a sense for what they may encounter at some point. And uh, so if you think through these events before they happen, sometimes you can be prepared. Sure. As you described, it's important to stay calm in the moment. And So what, what are some of those moments like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one again going back to that special education piece that's really common is again the child is in school a good portion of their day, a good portion of of their life, and um, parents really wanting to feel like they're they're getting the most out of that. Um, every child has a right to free and appropriate education, but um, sometimes how the school defines that is different than what the parents want for their child, and so. Upfront, you know, going into your child's education, really establishing those relationships with the teachers and the providers that are going to be involved um, is going to be really important. Again, it's going to facilitate that communication going forward. Um, I think there's other systems, definitely, that parents encounter frustrations, um, you know, throughout the counties and the state when they're seeking maybe more financial resources for their child, things like waivers um, and things like that, but. Those are a little bit harder to have a point person in, but again, there's there's resources out there to, to point fam- families in the right direction.
0: It, it sounds like a really important advice for parents to get to know providers and teachers and, and, and people in the system. Yeah. Is it the case that some schools are better than others at providing these sorts of services? Should I, as a parent, you know, go shopping, if you will, for a better school?
1: You know, I think it's important for families to, again, know their child, and they certainly have the right to two or different options. Um, So it's hard to say that, you know, one school is better than another, but there's certainly programs that are going to be better fits for certain children. And so um, exploring options through open enrollment, through charter schools, through private schools, um, through different programs within the same district, those are all options that the parents have, and they can certainly ask for those.
0: Great. Uh, You talked earlier about the processes that are involved in managing the life of a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, It it sounds pretty mundane, but it's something the parent has to think about. But are there sort of documents or paperwork, or how should a parent sort of think about keeping track of things?
1: Yeah. They definitely want to have an organization system um, because that's going to really cut down on time in terms of accessing resources going forward. Um, and a, a coworker that actually has a child with special needs kind of gave the best advice. If it seems important, keep it. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of medical documents potentially in terms of assessments, mental health assessments, um, documents from the school, like your child's evaluation and IEPs, um, documents from the county or state around the child disability determination, all of those things, um, whether that's in a binder, whether that's scanning it and storing it in the cloud, whatever is going to work best for you. Um, but having an organized system is pretty important.
0: Lindsay, those are the only questions I have. Is there anything else I've missed or you'd like to add?
1: Um, no, not that I can think of.
0: Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fraser Cast, a place where we discuss all things autism, mental health, and special needs. For more information, visit us at www.fraser.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R.org. Once again, we would like to thank Forest Lake Auto Group for their sponsorship of this episode of the Fraser Podcast.